Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I just wanted to, to share a message. I don't know what, don't put the picture up quite yet, uh, but have you ever, have you ever ex- just experienced something in your life and you just want somebody to be able to relate to you? You know, like, hey, can, can you, can somebody just understand what it is that I'm going through? And so, um, Tony, I know you get it, man. Uh, but there's something that happened, and I'm going to ask uh, the people in the sound booth now if they would put a picture up on the screen for me. And I see this at a lot of bathrooms that I go to, especially in Montana. So I've currently got about 17 lawsuits against (laughs) bathrooms, restaurants. This church doesn't have it, so y'all are good. Y'all weren't on on the suing list, but like, I've heard of racists, you know, and things like that. I I don't know if it's an armistice, is it what that would be? (laughs) But I go up and I look at these paper towels and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not grabbing it with my teeth, that's for sure. So I, the only thing I can do is grab in the middle. And so I end up wiping my hand off with a little chunk of paper towel <laughs> that is about that big. So, like, the next time y'all go in the bathroom and y'all see one of those, like, y'all remember me and pray for me and be like, Jeff, that ain't right. And so, like... <clears throat> Like I said, I just want people to, to be able to relate, to, to know what it's like. I mean, <laughs> there are times having one arm, it's not fun. I'm not going to lie. If you weren't here last night, I told, I told my story. Just to give you like the little brief rundown, I was in an industrial accident. My arm got ripped off by a machine. Uh, nearly died. I actually didn't even say that part. Uh, it's crazy. Out of all the times I've shared my testimony, it's the only time I never said it. Nearly died on the operating table twice. Um, God basically... I met Jesus later when a stranger invited me to church, and uh, God later revealed to me that if I would have died that day, I would have gone to hell. Um, even though I'd been in church my entire life, like I was on my way to hell and I had no idea. So that's just kind of the brief rundown of how I lost my arm. You know, for those of you that were here last night, you're like, okay, you just told that in 30 seconds, and last night it took you like 40 minutes. Like, what's up with that? Uh, but. But we had fun last night. We laughed at the devil. Uh, we saw it was nine or ten come to Christ. And so, um, you know, hopefully we see some more of that this morning. If not, you know, there's, God might be up to something. We'll, we'll just see what he wants to do. But I share that story about the, the paper towels in the bathroom. Just kind of just a, like a little funny opener. But it's something that do you ever, when you read the Bible... You're reading, you know, about, you know, you know, reading the different parables or, you know, the stories from the Old Testament or whatever. And you see a character in that, in that parable or in the story, you know, whatever's being told. And you see them and you're like, I can relate. I can relate to that person. Um, and so there's a, a parable that I want us to kind of jump into this morning. And let me ask you this. How many people, y'all love it when you get a preacher up here and he's like, all right. Get your Bible fingers ready because we're going to turn to here, and then we're going to turn to there, and then we're going to turn to there. How many of y'all like that? Well, that's not happening this morning. Um, so, uh, 
<laughs> you should have come for Bible study this morning. That's on you. That's on you. That's not on me. That's on you. Um, <laughs> we're basically going to dive into a parable, and we're swimming um, in that parable. And unless, unless God leads a different way, that's another thing I always pray before I get up here. God, I've got something prepared, but whatever you want to do, let's do it. Um, and so that's what we're, we're going to do. But we're going to at least start in this parable, and we'll just see kind of kind of what happens. Uh, this is one of those parables, and I don't know if you've ever been there in life, where you start studying something in the Bible, and the next thing you know, you've been studying it for like a month. But that's what happened with me with this parable. Is I started reading this parable, and it's the parable of the prodigal son. And I, I don't even really know how I, how I got into it, but I, I just I started reading the story of the, the prodigal son, and I was like, oh, I hadn't seen that before, and so I jotted it down, and so I kept reading, and I'm like, wow, that's, I'm, I'm seeing that in a different way, and I jotted that down. And so then the next day, I'm like, well, let me read it again. So I read it again, and I'm getting other things that I'd never seen before, and seriously, for probably three weeks to a month, this was all I studied, was just this one parable. And so I just wanted to you know, share with y'all some of the things that God showed me in this. Is that okay with y'all? Well, it doesn't matter if it is. We're going to do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I know you could get up here and leave if you want, but, you know, that's on you too. All right, so here we go. We're going to go to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 11. We're going to go uh, 22 verses here, verse 11 through 32. If you don't have your Bible with you, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but if you don't have your Bible, uh, they will have it up on the screen. I am going to be reading from the New King James Version um, so that's just, that's just kind of the one I prefer to preach out of. So that's what we're going to do this morning. All right, so here we go. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Then he, and in this instance he is Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. And then verse 17, but when he came to himself... How many of y'all have ever come to yourself? But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off... His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now verse 25. 
Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he, being the brother, was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Now, that's a whole lot that we're going to dive into today. And typically, when I, when I preach on a parable, something like this, I'll, I'll kind of just start at the top. And I, a lot of times, I don't even read all the way through. I'll, I'll start with a verse and then kind of talk a little bit about it and then go to the next verse, talk a little about it. But with this one, I want to do something different. Like I told you, <clears throat> there are times when I read the Bible and I can relate to characters in the Bible people that were in the Bible. And so what I want us to do today is look at this parable from the three different perspectives of the main characters that were in this story. I just want us to, to, to look at it, and you might see yourself in one, you might see yourself in two of them, or you might see yourself in all three. So the first one I want to start with is the angry brother. That's what, that's what I call him because... He was a brother and he was angry. It just kind of made sense. Uh, so we're going to go with the angry brother. So in verse 25, we see him and he's out in the field doing what he's supposed to be doing. I mean, he's off to a good start. Like, way to go, angry brother. At this point, he's probably not angry. He's just the brother. But So he's out doing what he's supposed to do. But then when you get to verse 28, and this is when he finds out that his brother has come home and now they're having a party. That brother was so angry that he didn't go to the party. Now, I don't know about how, what it's like up here in big sky country. But I do know what it's like in the south. And if there's a barbecue going on, even if you don't like the people, but they invite you, you're going to go get a plate. I mean, it might be a to-go plate, but you're going to go... <laughs> You're going to at least go get a plate, just be like, you know, thank you so much, and then leave him like, they're terrible people, but this chicken is good. You know, <laughs> something like that. So one thing you can tell from the very beginning is that the angry brother is not a southerner because he does not want any barbecue. Like, so, like, he's not from the south. He doesn't say y'all and ain't like I do all the time. Like, so we know that he's not from the south. But what I want us to picture now is imagine how different this parable turns out if the angry brother gets to the prodigal son before the father. That was the exact same reaction I had sitting at my table when I started getting stuff like that. 
Imagine how different the story is if the angry brother got to the prodigal son first. I mean, can you imagine being that, that son who's walking up and here comes, here comes your angry brother? So with that in mind, what we need to remember is how we treat sinners matters. Now, I'm not saying that it means that they're sinners and it's okay. Hey, just be a sinner. Sin all you want. I don't care. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is 99 times out of 100, if not 99 times out of 99, the sinner knows they're sinning. You don't need to remind them. You're sinning right now. Dogs bark. Cats meow, and sinners sin. That's kind of how, how this works. They don't know Jesus. They don't know what Jesus has done in their life. They don't know the, the opportunity that they have because of what Jesus did for them on the cross. Or maybe they know about it and they just, they're just choosing not to go that way. But I think back to the night that I gave my life to Jesus. It was at Living Water Christian Fellowship in Boone, North Carolina. That missionary from Africa who he gave a message on the goodness of God and completely changed my attitude toward God because I was mad at God. But he completely changed my attitude toward God. He gave an altar call and I went forward to give my life to Jesus. Now imagine if I'm coming down the aisle and somebody from my past meets me halfway. Are you really going to go forward? You really think Jesus died for that? Remember when you did this? Remember what you said about that person? Would I have made it to the altar? Or would I have turned around and gone back to my seat? So I'm saying how we treat sinners matters. It's not always about... Now listen, I love this book. But it's not about walking around with this book and smacking people upside the head and talking about how wrong they are, how stupid they are, how dirty they are, how sinful they are. Now, are all those things true? Possibly. But it's, our, it's not our job to go around being the judge, jury, and executioner. The thing is, I, and I could be wrong here, and you can correct me afterwards if I'm wrong. But there's probably a chance that every single one of us was a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner prior to giving our life to Jesus. Pastor Sean and I have talked many times since, we, since we've been here on this trip, and he was doing a great job as a sinner. Like, <laughs> he was nailing it. Like, like Pastor Sean was an A-plus sinner. I mean, like, honor roll, you know, like... Dean's list, whatever, whatever it was. And, and just to show that I'm, I'm not being mean, Pastor Jeremy was the same way. <laughs> I'm, am I wrong? No. And now he's paying for it because he's married to Terry. <laughs> Terry, I love you. I love you so much. Oh, man. But... We're all 
sinners. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because it might be astounding, but like, how many of y'all sinned this weekend? I got a couple of hands. So we're human. We make mistakes. But God's love is so much more just massive than our sin. So it's not our job to walk around and bash people and tell them how bad they are and how dirty they are and how they're just busting the gates of hell wide open. Now, there might come times when you have to like get real with some people and, and let them know, you know, like if, like if you keep this up, things aren't looking good. I do believe it is our job to go around and tell people, you know, there is a hell to avoid and there is a heaven to gain. But we're going to do this so much better if we do it in love. Like even if you have, even if you have to, to be a little bit more harsh with somebody, you can do it in love. Like you don't have to just be like, you know what, you're going to hell and you deserve it. All right, well, because you said that, you deserve it too, you know? Like, it's our job to love. It's not our job to judge. We didn't save anybody. Last night when those people responded to the altar call, I told them. I was like, thank y'all for responding, but I'm not saying thank you for me because, like, I'm just a goofy one-armed white boy who loves Jesus. Like, I'm saying thank you for responding to what Jesus did on the cross for you. So it's not our job to just be all up in somebody's face. It is our job to preach the gospel. I don't care if you stand behind the pulpit or not. If Jesus has done something in your life, you're in the ministry. So congratulations. Like, Get you a business card. Whatever you want to do to say, I am in the ministry. Because Pastor Sean said this morning, he, was, he kept saying reconciliation. 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 If you don't know what that is, that's actually your ministry. You have the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible tells us in Romans, I believe it is, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And what does that mean? That means that we can tell people that you can be reconciled back to God as if you had never sinned. Come on, somebody. That you had never sinned, that, that you are washed white as snow. When God looks at you, he looks at you just like he looks at his son Jesus as he's holy, he is mine, he's going to be with me for eternity. That's our job is to go around and tell people that, listen, you don't have to go to hell. Why would you want to? We were up, I hope this isn't against the law or anything, but we, were, um, we went up on the Beartooth Pass yesterday. My lips are chapped, thanks to the wind. Um, gosh. But everywhere you stop and they have those guardrails up, there's stickers all over them. I don't know if it's illegal to take a sticker off of those or not. But one of them said, uh, no, it was, no, it wasn't like a sticker from the law. It was like somebody had put, people were just putting bumper stickers on there. And this one said, support your local satanic mechanic. I was like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> and so I'm like, and neither is anybody else. And I took that little sticker and I pulled it off. <laughs> and it is in the trash can at our hotel we didn't even take it into our hotel room we put it in the trash can outside where it belongs the devil belongs in the daggone trash can because like I don't believe in supporting a satanic anything now I believe if somebody's satanic I believe in preaching the gospel to them and letting the love of God come in and change their hearts and lives that they are moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of marvelous light can you imagine when you see some of these people who are walking with the devil himself and then all of a sudden they are transformed out of that kingdom of darkness and into that kingdom of marvelous light the amazing 
evangelists that they have the opportunity to be because they experienced everything that the devil had and said, nope, that's not enough. I need Jesus. And so they come over to Jesus and, and things are just better. So don't support your local satanic mechanic. Anybody in here, if you're a Christian mechanic, go put a sticker. I got a spot for you out there on one of those overpasses. <laughs> You'll see there's a circle and it ain't there no more. But all right. That was just a little side tangent. That was for free. I won't charge y'all. Um, so then if you'll look in verses 29 and 30 again, notice what the, what the angry brother says. He says, this son of yours. He didn't say my brother. This son of yours. I mean, you can, you can see. Can't you see his head when he says it? That He does that little... This son of yours, like that little sh- shoulder shimmy shake, whatever it's called. I'm very white, so I can't do, do it very well. Um, <laughs> this son of yours. It's not his brother. He's not saying, you know, this is my, this son of yours. We can't be the angry brother in somebody's story. Even if it's somebody that's hurt you. And I'm not saying it means you have to run back and, and allow them to continue to hurt you. But just don't breathe the angry brother in their story. This son of yours. And then you can, you can hear it in, in, while the angry brother's talking. You can tell he is, he is upset that his brother didn't get what he deserved. You mean to tell me he went off and he wasted, it wasn't all of his money, it was only half. Because the rest of it now belonged to the angry brother. But you can just see, you mean to tell me he went off and did all that and you're going to welcome him back and have a party for him? He doesn't deserve that. Now, I'm not going to tell your sins this morning because I don't know them. So I'll just have to tell them myself. People that come flying past me on the highway drives me nuts. I hate it. I don't like it even a little bit. They're like, There's not a part of me that's like, you know, that was fun. <laughs> not even a little bit. And every time it happens, I mean, we live, where we live in North Carolina, we're, we're right on I-40, I-85, and then I-95 is not far away, but... You know, if you're on 85 or 95, people will assume that's what the speed limit is. And so, like, <laughs> they will blow your doors off. Like, blow your doors off. And <laughs> it's embarrassing, probably, the amount of times I've said it. And I'm trying to get better. Pray for me. Um, when you're in the bathroom and you see the paper towel thing. Um, <laughs> but somebody will blow past me, and I'll look at my wife and like, where's a cop when you need one? And she'll look at me and she's like, how fast are you going? Don't worry about me. I'm talking about that guy. Because <laughs> I'm speeding too. You know, if it's 70, I'm probably going 79. The law says 70, but he's sinning faster than I am. And he, <laughs> he shouldn't be doing that. So here I am. I'm mad because this person who just blew my doors off doing 90, like a cop's not there to pull them, and I'm doing probably nine over the speed limit myself. So 
Be careful when you're in, when you, if you find yourself in the camp of, gosh, I hope they get what they deserve, you're falling into angry brother territory. Because if we all got what we deserved, there's no Jesus. We would all end up in hell where we belong for the sins that we've committed that separate us from the love of Christ. Like, we, we don't have a place in heaven without Jesus. If we all got what we deserved, we don't want that. So then you can, you can continue to see, you can hear the brother when he says, I have been serving you. I never transgressed. You never gave me a goat that I might make merry with my friends. He is so focused on himself that he can't celebrate the fact that his brother, who for all they knew was dead, he can't celebrate the fact that his brother who was dead and is now alive again, who was lost and is now found, he can't celebrate that fact because he's so focused on himself. This is something that just came to me right now. It's the same way when it comes to witnessing. And y'all stick with me here for a second. I have, obviously our passion is for the lost. And that's one of the things we love about your pastors. We sat down at dinner with them the other night and I thought I was going to run a lap. Like around, what was it, Montana Montana Club? Like I was about to knock some waiters and waitresses over because like the Holy Ghost was just getting all up in there. Um, but when it comes to witnessing, like when you think about it, do you not, because there's so many believers out there who do not witness ever. Ever. And is it because we're so focused on ourselves instead of being focused on the lost? Well, I don't, I don't, want, to witness, I don't want to witness to Herb here. Like, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable. I really don't know what to say. You're, more, you're, you're more, fo- more focused on how you feel and how you might feel if he says no or cusses you out but if he says no or cusses you out, now in this, in this scenario, you're a sinner. A dirty, rotten, stinking, <laughs> nasty sinner. Now, Herb is awesome. Herb has been my buddy since I got here last night. He's been, he's been if I need something, like if, if something itches, he'll scratch it. <laughs> and that was super awkward now that it came out of my mouth. Uh, Sorry about that, Herb. Um, I'm going to come over here. So my wife, if something itches, she'll scratch it. But we're so, we're so worried about what Herb might say to us or how Herb might react to us or how we might feel uncomfortable in the moment to share Jesus with somebody that is dying and going to hell. Guys, do y'all realize how absolutely selfish that is? If you can't be uncomfortable for a moment for the potential to change somebody's eternity, 
We need to come and hit our faces on the altar and repent and say, God, I am sorry. It's not about me. You push me out of my comfort zone and I will go. If you tell me to talk to somebody, I'll talk to them. If you tell me to pray for somebody, I'll pray for them. If you tell me to give money to somebody, I'll give money to somebody. Because we need to stop being so daggone complacent and taking the Word of God out there and changing people's lives. I'm I'm so tired of, of believers who... they have the greatest news ever. I mean, my life has been changed like here, but my eternity is changed forever. And every single one of you, if you've accepted Christ, you've got the same thing. You've got the best news ever. But no, I don't want to. That makes me uncomfortable. Forget being uncomfortable. Think about how uncomfortable the person is going to be that's going to burn in hell for the rest of their lives if we don't share the good news of Jesus with them. Okay. So when I start talking about witnessing, it it crawls all over me. Um, um, and then the one last point I want to make about the angry brother, and then we'll move on. But you can basically hear, Dad, you never threw me a party. Dad, why didn't I get a party? I've been here this whole time following all your rules, and I never got a party. Now, I hate to, we're probably just going to step on a couple of toes right here, so just curl them in or put them under your seat or whatever you need to do, but we're probably about to find some angry brother moments right here. Because I found it in myself as I was reading this. Have you ever gotten upset with God because he's answering everybody else's prayers and not yours? Now, God, why did that person get healed? God, why is this person getting all those financial blessings? God, what about me? If that's you, in that area of your life, you're an angry brother. If God blesses Jeremy and Terry, praise God. If Jeremy grows a third arm, good for you, man. Like, if you get tired of it, cut it off, ship it to me. I'll smack it on and we'll keep going. But how selfish would that be of me to see somebody get healed and get mad about it? God, you're going to heal. Do you know that person? Do you know their sins? It's like, yeah, I know yours too. All right, my bad. My bad. Yeah, heal them, Lord. Give them. But what we should be doing when we see somebody healed, blessed, praise God. Praise God. Pastor Sean, I can't wait till you get a $50,000 check to come in here and you can just light up this whole community. Like that, that sign you had up, the fields are white in Billings. That, they ain't going to be white that much longer because y'all are just going to go ahead and reap all this harvest and just blow this place up. But if, but if somebody comes in and sees everything that y'all are doing in this community, it's like, you know what? They need to be blessed. I want to write them a check for $500,000. Text me, call me. Well, I'll probably hear you from North Carolina screaming, but... <laughs> like, let me know because I want to celebrate. Like, Pastor Jeremy, if, you, if you're driving home from here tomorrow and you stop at the gas station and somebody gets saved or Terry gets saved or whatever it might be, like... <laughs> Let me know. Like, like I want to celebrate. Like, we should be celebrating. 
Like we should be celebrating when, when people when people get born again, when people get blessed, when people get healed, like we don't need to be, well, daggone God, I'm just going to go take my ball and sit in the corner. God can take your ball. That's his ball. <laughs> so if, if you see yourself in that area, like be careful. Be careful. Because you're, you're getting into dangerous ground that like that, that, if that's happening, your heart's starting to get a little bit hard. We need to get that thing softened back up with, for Jesus. Like, and if, if, you're, if you start to, if your flesh, you want to make your flesh mad? Let, let Pastor Jeremy get blessed and you start to get mad about it. Like, all right, flesh, is that how it's going to be? You pull out your wallet. It's like, here you go, Pastor Jeremy, there's another 20. Like, your flesh will learn, like, real quick, okay, I'm going to shut that down because I did not enjoy giving him my 20 bucks. <laughs> so, all right, now we're going to, I'm going to skip one little point there. We're going to jump to the Father. And the, only, the best way I can describe him is the loving father. And obviously in this story, this is, this is our father. This is Jesus. And In verses 17 and 18, we see that the prodigal son remembers his father. I mean, he's in a bad place. He's, he's hungry. He's living with the pigs. He stinks. All this kind of stuff. But he thinks back about his father. And what does he do? He gets up and goes back. When somebody thinks about you, are they going to want to get up and come back? Or are they going to want to get up and go farther away? We need to just exude love so much that people know that no matter what sin they might be committing, I know I can still go to Pastor Sean, Pastor Heidi, Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Terry. Like, Pastor Jeremy, like, I know if anything is going on in my life, I can call him. He's going to pick on me for a little while, and then, you know, we'll get down to business. But he's just one of those people I know that I can call, and he's not going to judge me. He's not going to make me feel stupid. He's going to love me through whatever it is I'm going through. My wife... I can go to her with anything. She's going to love me. That's how we need, we need to be the loving father in people's story. And we see the father in verse 20. It says, when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. You might be in here this morning and you're thinking you're so far off that the father can't even, doesn't even see you anymore. Or if he does... I've seen a, a cartoon drawing one time of a, a picture of God sitting at a computer and somebody is about to sin and he's got his finger hovering over the smite button just waiting for them to mess up so he can hit smite and just like drop a piano on them or something. That's not how God looks at us, y'all. God loves us. Like if God looked at us like that, then why would he send his son to die on the cross for our sins? The father looked at his lost son with compassion. When he ran to him, he wrapped his arms around him and he kissed him. We need to show compassion and not judgment. Now, a really cool part of the story is in verse 21. And it's actually what doesn't take place. Can you put verse 21 on the screen for me? 
And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's where it stops. Now, if you read earlier in the story, the prodigal son said, I'm going to go back, I'm going to say that, and then I'm going to say, make me like one of your hired servants. Father interrupts him. He's not even going to let him finish that story. You're my boy in your home. And for each and every one of you in here, that's how God looks at us. You're my son. You're my daughter. Come home. He doesn't look at you just wanting to judge you, wanting to condemn you to hell, anything like that. He loves you, and he wants to spend eternity with you. And so then you see later on, verse 28, the father went out and pleaded to the angry brother to join them at the party. And the thing is, his, his older son, the, the angry brother, was being a turd. I mean, he's just being just, just a terrible person. But he still goes out and wants him to come to the party as well. The father doesn't want anybody left out. And then you see in verse 32 that the father cares about the lost. And so should we. Now we're going to jump into the prodigal son. And in verse 15, you see that he is feeding pigs. And Jesus' audience knew this, that feeding pigs, that in that day, that is the lowest of the low. It gets no worse than feeding pigs. It's, it's like being a Duke Blue Devil fan. Like, it's just the absolute bottom, um, and it's the worst, the worst place that you can be. Is, is feeding pigs. It, it didn't get any worse than that. But then in verse, verses 18 and 20, you see the prodigal son say, in, at the beginning of verse 18, I will arise. And then in the beginning of verse 20, he says, and he arose. So when we're coming to God, or coming back to God, we have to take action. We can't just say, I will arise, and then not arise. We have to say, I will arise, and then we arise, and we go. There's action. When it comes to, when it comes to, to God, we have to take action. We can't just sit back and wait on Him to do everything. You know, the Bible says, well, the Bible talks about, you know, wait upon the Lord. Well, in that, in that instance, it, what it says, wait, is talking about the way a waiter takes care of somebody at a restaurant. So you're waiting on God in that way. You're not waiting on God, sitting on Him, waiting on Him to do something. You're waiting on Him. But when he came to the Father, can you imagine that walk? I mean, if you can picture yourself in this story now, you are the prodigal son. You have gone out and you have wasted everything. And you've got this walk back. Can you imagine what's going through his mind? Fear, condemnation, shame, guilt, anxiety. Depression, all these things that he's dealing with on this walk back. And then you can just see him. I can, I can just picture it in my mind. For some reason, when I picture this story in my mind, I see the, the farmer's house there, or the, um, the father's house there, and I just see this big, long dirt road that kind of goes up a hill, and then it kind of crests and goes back down. And I can see the prodigal son coming over the hill, 
and I could see the father sitting on, I, I see, it's probably because I'm from the south, I see a father sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair. And he sees somebody and he's like, who's that? And he starts to notice the stride. Is that my boy? And probably Stan, oh my gosh, that's my boy. And he took off running. And in those times, like, that's not what fathers and kings, and they didn't do that kind of stuff. Like, that was undignified to be running like that. But he sees his, his boy. I'm going to get him. And so this, can you imagine being the brother coming over that hill and seeing, it's like, oh, there's my dad. Oh, this is going to be weird. Oh, no, he's standing up. Like, is he, what's he going to do? And then he comes running. It's like, okay, is he going to tackle me? Um, is he coming to punch me? Is he coming to just turn me away and tell me, you blew it? But no, the father runs up and wraps his arms around his son. That's our Jesus. No matter what it is that you're going through, no matter the, you might be walking that road right now. You might be carrying shame, guilt, condemnation, fear, anxiety, depression, and you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And is God really going to accept me? Well, I got good news for you. Yes. He will absolutely. There's no sin that will separate you. Well, you know, the Bible does talk about the, the unpardonable sin. Well, if you're worried about that, then you haven't done it. Verse 22, the father tells his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Now, notice he didn't say just any robe. He said, go get my best robe and put it on him. Now, something else I want you to notice. He didn't say, all right, go get my best robe and come stand here and hold it for him while he takes a shower. Because... This prodigal son has just come from a dirty, nasty situation. He's been in with the pigs. He still smells like sin. But he's like, put it on him now. So the thing is, and there's a cool analogy there. You know, the Bible talks about when we get born again that, you know, we are put on a robe of righteousness. And that's what's happening here. While you might come up here to this altar stinking of sin. And God will wrap you in righteousness. And, and basically what that means, it puts you in right standing with God. It's just a fancy way of saying that God puts you in right standing with Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.